If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got a day, he's a day taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. You got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for light of day. Same old voice, tell the same old lie. 
same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got a day He's a day taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom or saving He's a prison shaking Savior You got a change He's a chain breaker We've all searched for light of day
same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got faith He's a faith taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom or saving He's a prison shaking Savior You got chains He's a chain breaker We've all searched for light of day this Sunday morning so God has been good to us and uh, in the last three Sundays we've probably taken up 20 offerings it seems that way doesn't it uh, so guess what today you're blessed we're taking up one offering this morning only one I'm not lying am I okay good I, I hate to find out there was something I missed you know uh, I do that a lot uh, so uh, so so give good in this offering because you're only going to have to do it once I'm going to ask Ronnie Blankenbeckler if he would to ask God's blessing on the offering this morning 
Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day again, Lord, that you set aside for us to come and worship together. Thank you for this place to come, for thy Holy Spirit's met with us already. God, we pray for the service today. We pray for the message. God, we pray for those here that need to get right with thee, those that are lost, and maybe those that are backslidden. Bless this offering today, God. Use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
things that really impressed me a couple right when David came out at Sight and Sound we got to go up there me and Andrea and see that and it was amazing one of the things that I enjoyed the most about the beginning of that program was they emphasized the fact that David had this time being a shepherd where he was alone and that he spent it with God and they really emphasized that and how that made the difference uh, that David had a personal relationship with his God and uh, that just, it, it keeps sticking out with me. And even in the message this morning, we're going to kind of bring some of those things, just emphasize them as, as we go along and how important that is. And isn't it wonderful, those of us that, that have had that, that you take that time, you take that time to spend it alone with God. Isn't it amazing how real he can be? And we, we a lot of times, and I'm not trying to be mystical, you guys know me, based on the Word of God and what the Word of God brings us to. But He is, he is so real. And, and our world, it's, it's just, it's amazing. And it's hard to describe. It's hard to do all of those things. But I love this song because it is simple in that way. It just speaks about Him. I have a friend. He's closer than a brother. And uh, all of those things are true. And it is good to be overwhelmed every once in a while by the simple manner of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and to think, isn't it amazing that God really loves us? I've got a friend Closer than a brother there is no judgment, oh, how he loves me. I've got a friend, and he is my strength. He is my portion. He's with me in the valley, with me in the fire. He's with me in the storm. Oh! 
His grace is sufficient. So come if you need forgiveness or healing. His mercy is enough. Oh, and this is our hope. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, hard to believe, but 
June, we, I wanted to preach this message. Uh, we had a great service that morning, which not complaining about at all. Uh, and then uh, I gave my outline, and, and I was, uh, had a, a couple of people say, hey, you should, uh, you should preach that again, or you should or give me the outline and stuff like that. And I gave somebody my outline, and they texted me later and was like, I can't read any of this. So, you know, no, they, they actually were just asking about a couple words. But, uh, but the outlines that I do, uh, they, are, they are bare bones. So I wanted to come back and preach it. And it's hard to believe that I haven't preached a Sunday morning since then. But here we are this morning, and I wanted to do that. But I got a couple things that I want to do first. And I'm thankful for our church and uh, what we stand upon and what the Lord has been doing here. And we're thankful for our young people that find, uh, find that certain someone, you know what I mean? And it's always wonderful. And I want Wade and Lillian to stand up. Look at this right here. And this beautiful young couple has just been engaged to be married. Amen. Let's give them a nice, big, huge round of applause. Amen. And if you saw the pictures, Wade, man, he did a good job. So... Guys, if you're going to propose, you need to step it up, all right? Be ready. Well done, Wade. Well done. So uh, he did a good job, and what a beautiful couple, and we praise the Lord for that. I wanted to also say, and I hate doing announcements before I preach and stuff like that, but I did want to say something about our youth activities. They've been a little bit different this summer, and this is kind of goes to our young people and stuff like that, and we've been working really hard, and uh, Becky's been really helping me and making sure that we get things squared away. But our fall retreat uh, will be at High Point Camp, and a lot of times we do a lot of things different. Uh, but our young people need to be ready for that this year. It's September 29, 30, and October 1st. And uh, the cost of that is $120. A lot of times we've been able to help out, and we're going to try to help out where we can. But your, our young people are going to be responsible for that money. We're going to provide them ways to uh, help and work, but uh, we want you to be aware of that. We want them to be aware of that so they can start saving some money or working this summer as uh, things are going. Uh, so help them out with that. We don't want to kill our church with fundraisers either uh, all the time and doing all those. So we want to be mindful of that. Uh, but if you do want to help out, we'll have opportunities for that as well. So please remember that as it's coming up. And then next year we'll go to Arise and all of that. Well, enough about all that stuff. Let's go to the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter number 16, uh, David is without a doubt one of my favorite Bible characters. He might actually be my favorite. Uh, I love to read about him. I love to think about what he's been through. Uh, and he is in no wise perfect, and we see that in Scripture. But I do love the fact that the Word of God says that he was a man after God's own heart. And it gives us that great encouragement uh, that in our imperfection, we also can have a heart that God, uh, that yearns for God and looks for God. But we're going to look at, we're just going to read one verse, and then I'm going to relate to so much of it. So, 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7. Stand with me, if you found that, we'll read one verse, pray and ask God to help us, and then we'll preach the message that God's laid upon our hearts. 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as men seeth. 
For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the Word of God again this morning and preach the Word of God. We're praying, dear God, that you would use it. Dear Lord, we all need the Word of God every day in our life. We're praying that as we preach this message this morning that maybe it would encourage someone into the fact of how much they need the Word of God, how much they need Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as well, to help them use the Word of God. Dear God, that they would understand how far away from God we actually are, but yet God is, through His Son Jesus Christ, ready to receive us and bring us back into the family. Dear God, I pray that You would do a work with Your Word that I know I can't do, You've given us a message. We want to be faithful to deliver it. And then, dear Heavenly Father, we will rest upon you to do the work that you need to do in the hearts and lives of people as the Word of God is preached. So bless us this morning, we pray. In your wonderful name, amen. You may be seated. So here in 1 Samuel, you understand uh, that as we go through the 1 Samuel chapter number 16, the Bible tells, uh, the God tells Samuel that, listen, I'm, I'm done with Saul. Uh, I'm done with what he's doing, and I'm ready to anoint a new king. And I want you to go down to the house of Jesse. And when you go down to the house of Jesse, you're going to find his sons there, and you're going to find a king. And you're probably familiar with the story, but bear with me a little bit so that we've got it refreshed in our mind for the context of everything that's going on. And so he goes down to the house of Jesse, and here comes Jesse's boys, and they're big, tall, strapping young men. And Samuel says, surely this is God's anointed. God says no, and the next one comes around, and God says no. And you remember the story. And finally, Samuel has to ask Jesse, do you have any more kids? And Jesse says, well, there's David, but he's just, he's just a kid, and, and he's just a young fella, and he's out keeping sheep in the field. And, and Samuel says, well, go get him. And they go and they get him, and when they see him, God says, this is the one. This is the one. It is not, and we understand from the verse that we read, that, that God explains to Samuel, Samuel, you're looking at all the wrong stuff. I am looking on what is inside of his heart, and I'm telling you, what I have done, and this is a testimony, I want you to understand this as we go. This is a testimony of the work that God has already done in David's heart. David has been spending time with God. David has been worshiping God and singing the praises and putting together psalms already as a young man that speaks of his heart for God. And what Samuel is doing... Now this is important, and I want you to get this. What Samuel is doing, anointing David with this oil, it's not magic oil, okay? The Holy Spirit is not in the oil, okay? You get this? You stand with me, right? I know it's a little cloudy outside, but I hope you're still with me, right? So we're going to keep going. The ma it's not magic oil. It's not somehow we don't come in and, and, you know, make the Holy Spirit happen because we've got the special oil and that Samuel is the prophet of God and he blessed the oil and made it special when he poured it on him. No, this is a testimony 
This is, a, this is a, an outward display of the fact that God has said, I have been already training David. I have already been working on David. And this is a young man whose heart is right with me and who will be my next king. That's what's going on here. When I was using this for graduation Sunday, I was going to make the kind of the, the, what do you call it, the connection that here we have our young people who have done the work and completed the courses. And what we do on graduation day is really nothing special. It's just an acknowledgement that they have finished that work, right? That's what we're acknowledging. There's nothing special about that diploma that makes them smart all of the sudden. Sorry, Mr. Scarecrow, that diploma didn't make you smart, right? But it's, it's more than that. It is, it's just an acknowledgement of it. And that's what's going on here, is we see an acknowledgement of what God has done. And it's almost as if the theory and the what you have learned has come into effect. And so here's what's taken place as he receives this anointing. And then as we move through this passage of Scripture, we're going to see that not only did that happen, but then we see that David goes to the battle. You remember that, right? David goes to the battle where his brothers are. His father says, hey, I want you to go and take this stuff, some food and some, and some goodies for my sons who are in the fight. But really, I want you to find out how it's going. Really? He says, that's what I really want you to do. I want you to find out how things are going. David shows up. What's the first thing that David hears? He hears Goliath defying the armies of God, cursing God's name. And David says, this can't stand. Listen, this can't stand. We can't abide by that. And you remember that they, his brothers are just like, listen, we know what you're about. But then we get that famous line in chapter 17, verse number 29. And I'm saving you from reading all that. But David said, what have I now done? And then here's the big phrase, is there not a cause, right? How many sermons have you heard on that? Is there not a cause? And so David says, listen, he shows up. This man is defying God. He is going against it. And look, I'm not going to stand for it. We've got to do something about it. Is there not a cause? Then David, when he comes before Saul, everybody's like, hey, there's somebody that's ready to fight Goliath. Saul says, bring him in. Let me see him. And he sees David, and he's like, what in the world? What are you thinking? What's wrong with you? And so when he's, he's talking to him, David says, listen, I have defeated the lion. He talks about it in verse 34, and, uh, and he says, listen, I have defeated the lion. I've defeated the bear. I, have, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And it's not me, it's God, and we understand that. And we see that in verse 45 and 46 of the same thing. That when he comes to Goliath, he says, listen, you've got a sword, you got a spear, but I come in the name of the Lord. What great verses, right? And it wasn't in his own power, it wasn't in his own might. He says, I know the Lord will deliver me. And we see that God does deliver him. What assurance is that he has. And so all of this transpires in this. And this is all I want to talk about real quick. We've already kind of talked about it, so I don't have to get it, get it again. But number one, we see that there was a, a commencement or a graduation that happened kind of in theory when, when he was anointed to be king. 
He was putting an acknowledgement on him that there was something that he had. David, when he was anointed by Samuel, was a demonstration of what God had done and what was in David's heart. He had spent time alone, and here's where that, why I wanted to have that song. He had spent time alone with God. I really don't think that we can overemphasize this point uh, at, at all. We understand, and I feel it just like you, in the fast-paced world, moving from thing to thing, with hardly a moment it seems to rest between them. And then, okay, and I'm going to do just a little bit of preaching here, and then any spare time we do have, we fill it with recreation, with amusement, right? When we should be musing on God, we amuse ourselves. We cannot overemphasize how important it is to spend time with God. I was stressing to our young people the other day about how when it comes to God's Word, there really is no shortcuts. When we come to God's Word and we want to glean the deep truths, the Bible has already told us that that is only going to come through meditation on God's Word. You are not going to sit down and blow through six chapters in 20 minutes and expect to be fed from God's Word. You are going to have to meditate on God's Word. God wants you to do the work to get what's in there, right? He really does. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. He wants you to go in there and dig deep and spend time and read a passage of scripture and meditate on it and say, God, what are you doing with this? What is the main theme? What happens from this? And man, I don't really want to preach all of this, but I'm going to give you a little bit. Even when we come to a passage like this of Goliath, and I was just sitting there and thinking about Goliath the giant, right? And we under, we've heard so many sermons about it. But as I was meditating on it, the Lord was so clear. And he said, what is Goliath doing in this passage of Scripture? He is mocking God. He is intimidating God's people. And he is seeking to destroy God's kingdom. Right? The kingdom of God. That's what he's looking to do. Now just think about how powerful is the word of God. How many giants do we know that we face around us and their motivation is to mock God, right? To make fun of him and belittle his name, to intimidate God's people. There is a lot of giants out there that we face, young people that you're going to face that want to intimidate you into not serving God. Want to intimidate you. They're going to use the the scariest tactics, the best tactics that they have, they're going to make you feel like you're not a part of society. They're going to humiliate you. They're going to make you feel that you're not smart or that you're dumb for following Jesus Christ. They're going to use things that you're a bigot, that you're a hate monger, that you're all of those things are going to be thrown at you to intimidate you to say you cannot follow God. Those are big things in our life and in our culture. And our young people are going to have to face those giants, right? Isn't it amazing? Just a little bit of thought 
in the Word of God, and we see how it's relevant to now. And i got to keep moving, because that was just like thrown in there extra. But we want them to overcome. And so that time alone with God is key. And I think David is a wonderful example of that. Using the time. Using what everybody else said. And think about that as well. His brothers mocked him for keeping the sheep, didn't they? As a matter of fact, it was seen as a menial task. As something for the one who wasn't important. Oh, let's just send David out to watch the sheep. But he didn't, it doesn't seem as if he complained. It doesn't seem as if he worried. But he said, God, what can you teach me? And I don't mean to, whatever. What can you teach me while I watch these sheep? Mm, think about it. And what did David write? The Lord is my shepherd. Just as I watch these sheep, Oh, you're my shepherd, Jesus? You think David knew Jesus? Man. He wrote that. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything. I shall not want. David sits there and said, I take care of everything that these sheep need. I take them to the field when they're hungry, and I take them to the water when they're thirsty. I give them everything that they need. And he said, my heavenly Father provides everything that I need. Oh, how he would worship. Oh, how he would know the benefits of serving Jesus Christ, of loving Jesus Christ. Man, anyway, all of that comes into a place and all of that comes into theory. But i got to preach this and I'm going to be done. But then... There was a commencement day that it came into practice. There is a point, and this is what we were going to preach to our young people on Graduate Sunday, that we move from the classroom to the real life. That we move away from the place where these things are a theory, where these things are stuff that we write about, that we go out into the real world and we have to see if they work. Just so you know, this is the classroom, okay? Got it? This is the classroom. You are supposed to take this stuff out there and see if it works, okay? Serving the Lord is not just coming to church, okay? Okay? Serving the Lord isn't just, oh, I went there and I did my thing and Mike preached a great sermon. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. No, it's to take this stuff and go out there into the world and to put it into practice. And if it's not in your heart, and if you don't understand the theory, and the thing about this theory is we understand the classroom as I, I put it down, I learned the equation, and then I go out there and I put it out there and it works. But in this theory, that God puts it in your heart and he places it in there. And when he puts it in your heart and you see the truth of it, you go out there and you say, this has to work. And you're excited to share it with somebody who needs it. You're excited to use it in a place. You're excited to give out the word of God. You're excited to say, what I have received, I'm giving to you. 
And that's what he does here. We've got to look at this real quick and I'll be done. So now he is moving, and you understand it, don't you? He's facing Goliath. He is moving it. So what do we need? Man, this is going to be quick. What do we need if we are going to be able to put into practice what we have understood in theory? What do we need? Number one, in verse number 29 of chapter 17. We already read it, but here we go again. And, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Number one that we need, we need a distinct awareness of the cause. You have to know what you are fighting for, who you are fighting for, and listen at this one real good. You got to know who you are as well. You have to have an understanding of all of those things. You have to understand that your identity is in Jesus Christ, that you have been placed inside of Christ, and that he has called you for a purpose and for a cause, and that is the building of the kingdom of God. And by building the kingdom of God, I, yes, I mean by winning souls, I mean by discipling people, and I also mean by just furthering the cause of holiness in the world that we live in. Boy, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? But it is all summed up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been given, listen, throughout the Old Testament, the gospel was a mystery and all of these things were unsure. And when they fought for Jehovah God, they, they fought for the nation of Israel. They fought for God's people and that was their cause. But now we have come to a time and a place where our cause is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you go out there and you are unsure of what the gospel is, how the gospel is received, uh, uh, what it means to have the pure gospel, then you are going to be unwilling to fight. And guess what, young people? If you do not know in whom you have believed, uh, then you will be persuaded to believe in something else. Because we send our young people to colleges often and they, they persuade them of something else. They do. I want to send young people away to the college they need to go to for whatever it is they want to pursue in their career. But I want to send them with a rock-solid knowledge of who they are, who God is, and what he has called them to. That's what I want to send them there for. And we need that. We need that understanding in our life. And maybe you're here this morning and those, those things are foreign to you. Listen, you don't have a chance at standing up to the giants if you don't know who you are, who he is, and what we're fighting for. You don't have a, you don't have a chance. You've got to have that right off the bat. I've got to keep moving. Number one. Number one was a distinct awareness of the cause. Number two, verse number 34 and 35. He says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and I took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Number two, was he was confident in the skills he had acquired. He was confident 
in the skills that he acquired. I want you to listen to this one real careful as we go through this. Serving the Lord doesn't happen by accident, okay? It's not like mystic stuff that you, and I keep saying this, but whatever, you're not just going to come along and be. Now, God can do miraculous things, but I've already said it. He is looking for us to put in some time and for lack of a better term, and I, I kept thinking about different ways to put it, but he is looking for us to acquire some skills. Will he provide some supernatural help? Yes, he will. But David had to learn how to use a sling. Okay? I have a feeling David was pretty good at it. Okay? He had to learn how to do that. And all I'm going to put in here, because... I had a whole lot, but I'm going to give this to you. Here are some things that I believe that we need to develop as skills. And you might say, I don't think they're skills, but I'm going to try to help you with why I believe they are and what the Word says it. I believe that we need to develop some skills in our life, number one, in Bible study. You need to be able to know how to handle the Word of God. We have... Hey, I know a lot, a, lot, a lot of amens go there, and I get that, right? Because we're all guilty of it, right? We don't spend enough time in our Bible. We don't know it well enough. And, and let's just face it, this is something that it is a skill that is required. And I understand that it's difficult at first. We come to the Word of God, and we're trying to glean something, and we feel like we were talking about it in Sunday school this morning, and it feels like it's tough. But listen... You need to acquire this skill if you are going to be able to stand up for what we believe in. We have one authority, and that is the Word of God. It is so sad. I'm just, I'm going to preach a little bit, all right? Is that okay? Are you with me? Amen. All right. It is sad when I hear so many Christians uh, that are trying to uh, do apologetics for the things of God, and they don't use the Scripture to do it. They start talking about, well, I had an experience with God uh, and, and I had a feeling uh, and, and I had a vision and I had a dream. I am sorry, those are not enough. We have one authority and that is the Word of God. And you ought to know it. And you can't come along with me with a substitute for it because you won't spend your time in the Word of God and tell me, well, the Lord told me to do this or do that. Well, the Lord told you a lot of stuff to do. You ought to get familiar with it. It's right in here. Study to show thyself approved. Acquire the skill. Do the work. Find out what is in here for you because you are going to need it out there. It is your best defense. It's your only defense. And as a matter of fact, did you realize this? According to the Word of God, it's your best offense as well. Because it, it is the sword of the Lord. It's your best offense. Oh, man, got to keep going. Bible study, knowing the Word of God, prayer. Acquire the skill of prayer. Jesus, his disciples came to him. What did they say? Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Show us how to do it better. Show us how to get in touch with you. I really believe they were saying, I really believe they saw him pray. And they were like, wow, he's doing something we're not doing. We want to pray like you pray. 
You might be sitting there, oh yeah, I want to have the power when I pray. I don't think that's what it is. I just think it's a longing for the presence of God in your prayer life. We talk about power in our prayer saying, oh, I want to change this and I want my prayer to do. I don't think that's what it's about. I think it's about communing with God and being in his presence and desiring that more than anything else and seeking him and longing him so that he is real to you. Because let's just face it. Let's just get real. When push starts to come to shove, and young people, when you go out there and you're faced with the questions uh, that, that they bring up to you in life, and, and they bring up those philosophical questions that make you wonder about this about God, there's a part of you that says, man, is it really real? And you know why you question that? Because you've never communed with him. You've never been alone with him. We've got to learn how to pray. We've got to acquire the skill. Last one, faith. Faith. How many times throughout the word of God, the disciples and each and others increase our faith, exercise our faith, grow our faith. Lord, help us to have the skill of just believing what he said. Isn't that, an amazing, isn't that crazy? We need that skill. We need to be able to go into our life and say, hey, I'm just going to trust God for this. Faith. I don't understand it. I don't make, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to trust God. David goes out here, and, and I love this about this passage of Scripture. In verse number 39, you remembered uh, Saul puts all of his armor on David. And David said, I can't go out and fight with this stuff. I haven't proved it. But you know what? When you work hard and you acquire the skills and you have found that they can be true, why? Because I beat the lion with it and I beat the bear with it. Then I, it's all of a sudden, faith is not so much faith. Yes, Goliath's bigger. Yes, Goliath has a sword. But guess what? God has proven himself before and I have proven these skills to work and I'm going to use them again over here. It's a different giant, it's a different foe, it's a different task, but God has shown that these things work, so if they worked over here, I'm going to use them over here. And watch God let them work. Proven, proven to work. Last one and I'm done. Verse number 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of whom thou hast defied. I'm, I'm just going to preach this one quick. The other thing that we need as we go out is we need to know that we know that God is with us. And that again comes. David here, he knows it. He is not concerned about God holding up. David is so sure that anyone who defies the name of God is going to be stopped. He's so sure of that. He quotes that over and over in here. He keeps saying, he's like, this guy's defying the word of God. We got to stop him. Saul, he has defied God's name. We got to stop him. He says to Goliath, I will kill you. Why? Because you have defied the name of God. And he's like, that just doesn't happen. He is so sure 
that God is real and that God is with him. I want our young people, I want all of us to be so sure that God is real, that God is with us, that it doesn't even come as a question. And we can defeat the giants that we face, the things that are real in front of us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Andrea, come around. There's a hymn of invitation. Tried to preach plainly this morning. I'm going to tell you, you need to start with number one there. That's knowing who you are. Knowing who he is. You don't start there, you can't start anywhere. Maybe you're sitting here this today. And the idea that you were created in the image of God to bring Him glory is so far from you. Maybe you've lived your life for yourself. Maybe you've lived your life to just get along. It hadn't really satisfied. Let me tell you, you can start right there at ground zero. Be introduced to Jesus Christ. Start a new life with Him. He can help you defeat all those giants, those huge monumental things in your life you absolutely feel like you cannot overtake. He can do it. Dear Heavenly Father, we tried to be plain with the Word of God this morning. We pray that you'd use it. God, we're thankful for Jesus Christ. We're thankful that He is ever-present. Lord, make yourself make yourself real to someone this morning. Praise you for what you do. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. When I see the sunrise in the morning when I place.